Welcome to another episode of Two Peas on a Podcast. Counting down movies, music, TV, and pop culture. One top five at a time. And now, here are the two peas. afternoon good evening ladies and gentlemen welcome into another episode of two peas i'm so excited that you have joined us yet again as i always am thank you so so much for tuning in and for downloading the episode and when you downloaded the episode and you saw the title for it you may have been a, it may have been a bit of a head scratcher for you frankly as i'm recording it i'm not sure what we are going to call it um but we'll talk as i pitched it to you i didn't know what to call it so i think we're good <laughs> we'll talk a little bit about what it is and kind of you know what we're dealing with this evening this guy's been on before he's been on a couple times and I, I love having him back on the show he has a great show himself i'll let him tell you a little bit about that on tonight's episode as well but welcome back to two peas the other p on the pod is joey from pop goes the culture joey what's up man welcome back Woo-hoo! all right hey i i first of all I am thrilled to be talking with you, just period, because um, it, it's hard to talk to people sometimes. It, it's hard to find adults to talk to. I've got three kids in the house, and I'm kind of going stir crazy. But uh, I've been—I I see I've been checking out the two P's uh, Facebook, the the fan page, and I know you've been out. And yes, you're being safe and careful and healthy. But it looks like you're still having a lot of fun. So it's it's cool. It's great to be at, back yeah. on here talking. Yeah, you know it's funny, man. It, it, it's since like the first couple weeks in March so like mid-March we didn't do anything I mean like we were just on lockdown and part of that was because it was the right thing to do from a safety perspective and the other part of that was because I was literally working like I only had Sundays off so I was working six days a week every week for like three months so of course on that seventh day I don't want to do anything (laughs) like you know I'm just exhausted but I mean we've been doing some like you said we've been safe we've been wearing masks we've been keeping our distance washing our hands every chance we get uh, hand sanitizer we hit up like you know the drive-in theater so it's all outdoors and it was just us in right. our car pretty much so not a lot of contact there we went to this really cool ice cream place they set up outside and they have very great social distancing guidelines so we've been slowly kind of eking out there a little bit but you know it, it's just a 2020 is crazy man I mean if this episode is proving anything, the title of this episode is probably as crazy <laughs> as 2020 has been as far as the calendar goes. So Hopefully it's better than 2020 has been. <laughs> Hopefully people look at it and are like, okay, I'm not going to avoid that. I'll, I'll check that out. Oh, man. So look, so Joey's here, and he pitched this topic to me. So Joey's a good friend of the show, and I said, you know, I want to get back together. I want to do something. So not only are we doing this countdown tonight, but it's in conjunction with a kind of sister countdown that we're going to do over on your show, Joey. So, yes. like I said, I'm not quite sure what the title of this episode is going to be or what the <laughs> title of yours uh, that goes along with this is going to be because it's kind of a two-parter. You know, this will be the right. first one, and then you'll have one that goes along with it on your show, on your feed. 
Why don't you tell everyone what exactly it is we're in your own words, what we're counting down tonight? So the idea came from, you know, I've got younger kids, well, younger, I've got kids between like, you know, 10 and 15 years old and they love the comic book movies just like I do. They love them because that's what they see. I, I show them to them. We go to the, that's, we don't go to the movie theaters as a family a lot. And when we do, it's usually like Avengers or something big, you know, like that. So they know a lot of these actors as, you know, they know Chris Evans is Captain America. So when he shows up in something else, they're like, oh, hey, that's the guy that plays Captain right. America. And it's like, right. yes, he is, but he's also in this and this and this. And, you know, he's not playing, you know, he's not stuck in the Disney Marvel mold. He gets to play, you know, he's got range. He could do other things. Mm-hmm. And so the idea for this was to, um, if you're in a similar situation where you want to explore these actors and actresses uh, outside of the confines of a comic book movie mm-hmm. what are some of those movies that are those performances that we could point to and be like yeah if you liked so and so in this comic book movie you're going to be blown away by this non-comic book movie that they were in and turn in an amazing performance um, and the fun part of this was we can do it because it opens up there's a lot of room to play and I'm excited to see how we both approach this but right. we can tonight we can do one and then we can kind of flip the coin and do something else uh, tomorrow for the the Pop Goes the Culture podcast show. Right. So so for this one specifically, you know, I, I make my notes when I come up with my list. And, I, and as you know, I do 10 movies. So I do five and then I do five honorable mentions. So I have 10. Right. And what I called it was superhero actors in other movie and other films. Yeah. So that, that's... Yeah, it's succinct. Yeah. So to tell you kind of how I had to kind of do it in order to not go nuts, because I mean, I could have had, you know, just a hundred thousand movies on here because there's so many prolific actors that have been in so many different things. So what I did is I said, OK, so I picked out my favorite actor or, you know, quote unquote heroes from comic book films. And then I gave the best performance from that actor in a non comic book film. That's what yeah. I did. So I don't want to give away any right here because they're going to obviously be talked about shortly. But, you know, I would pick an actor that I loved in, you know, one of my favorite superheroes. But then I would say, OK, this was his best performance, though, or her best performance. Right. And it was from a movie that was not comic book based. Is that in any way similar to what you did? Or what, did you, or what did you do? <laughs> what did you do? I, li- I like the way you approached it, too. Um, what I did is I just said... What are some of the performances that I have loved and were they ever in a comic book movie? So it was kind of working from the other end of it. You went from who are my favorite actors in these movies and what are my favorite performances of theirs? Mine was, man, I love these performances. Oh, yeah. And he was also or she was also this hero or villain so yeah we, we we took the same approach but we came at it from two completely different directions this is gonna be fun it's, gonna, it's, it's to gonna be a good discussion and you know these aren't actors i guess we should say or of course i'm only speaking for my list if i'm being honest i don't know what yours is obviously but you know these actors in at least from my perspective they did not make their name as a comic book actor so you know what I mean? Like that wasn't mm-hmm. what made them famous. They were already famous or they were already pretty big names when they got their roles in the comic book films. For the most part, um, there's one or two that the comic book movie or franchise that they were in did turn them into a household name. But 
the other 80% of my list are actors that already had a pretty good resume prior to being in a comic book franchise. What about you? Do you know what the breakdown there is? Um, I'm looking at it here. Uh, looking at my top five, mostly a comic book related, uh, mostly not comic book related on a lot of the others. So yeah, it's, I, I would say mine is, uh, there's a couple that you're like, okay, well, yeah, that we know this actor or actress from the comic book movies. That's where you're going to go first. Mm-hmm. Um, but a, a lot of the others, it's kind of like, oh, oh yeah, no, that's, that makes more sense. So you know, it'll be, like I said, I'm, I'm excited. Let's quit talking. Let's just let's, get into let's, it. Let's get into it. Do you want to, <laughs> do you want to tell people what the part two is going to be on your show? So we're doing superhero actors tonight from the, in other films. And what's the part two going to be? You have got great fans, so I'm guessing they already know just based off our discussion. But I, I, I said, hey, let's do the superheroes on your show and let's save the fun stuff for mine. So tomorrow on uh, Pop Goes the Culture podcast, we are going to do the same thing with the villains. Right, so folks right. who were bad guys in films. Yeah. So that'll be tomorrow on Pop Goes the Culture. And obviously it'll it'll live on the feed beyond that. So if you're hearing this, whenever you're hearing this on two Ps, make sure you tune over to Pop Goes the Culture, which... Joey's information will be in the show notes so that you can click on that and then find that episode for villains because it's going to go hand in hand with what we're doing tonight. Five, four, three, two, one. And here we go. Joey, I want to do it. Let's stop the intro. That was a long intro. Why do we do that? <laughs> with, a, with a title that big, it took oh, a lot man. of work to we get had, us down to, I, to what we're doing here. I guess we had to figure out what we were doing. Okay, so we're going to call it superhero actors or comic book actors in other films. So what would be your number five? What do you got, man? My number five. So here's a question we haven't discussed in our long intro. How do we want to approach this? Do we want to talk about the actor first or do we want to talk about the superhero role or do we want to talk about the other role? Because there's some moving parts here. What, what's yeah, the best way to approach it? I'll leave that to you. What I'm going to do when it comes around to me because of the way I structure my list is I'm going to name the movie that's on my okay. list and then the actor that I'm talking about, which will probably tell people where, you know, what comic book movie he was in, but I'll mention that as well. So right. again, it's okay. about it's about the actor's performance in these five movies for me. Um right. that are their best performance in my opinion. So I'm gonna talk about the movie and the performance that's on my list. But obviously I'm gonna mention, you know, what superhero movie they were in right. and you know where that where that came from. But it's up to you. I mean whatever whatever order no, you want to kind of talk about it. That that works for me too. So my number five, this performance i feel like shows this actor's range better than any other role this actor has had Um, the actor in question has had similar roles because the actor is uh, a trained um, singer and dancer Mm. Um, but i felt like this was the role that showcased the most the, the broadest range of what this actor can do. And so for my number five, I am going with the film The Greatest Showman, mm-hmm. and the actor in question is Hugh Jackman. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, this is a blind spot for me. I haven't seen this movie, The Greatest Showman. It's come up a few times on the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, I'm well-versed as far as Hugh Jackman's concerned, but I just never saw this. I heard really good things about it. Um, 
But I also heard that it's like a feel good movie for a character that was not a feel good character. Like they try to make oh, yeah. him kind of a hero when he really wasn't. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know. I, you tell me. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that assessment. It, um, at the same time, though, it's a movie that I've got a daughter who is 14 right now who is a musical theater nerd. And this is one film that we can sit down and watch because it scratches all those itches that she has, as well as I can watch it and be like, man, that's just, yeah, I mean, it's not historical. It's not, you know, it's not a documentary by any right. stretch of the imagination. Right. Um, and yeah, the, the character that Hugh Jackman plays is pretty irredeemable. Um, the movie does try to redeem him because mm-hmm. it is kind of that feel good family, you know, musical kind of thing. Um, but, it's just a powerhouse of a performance regardless of, I mean, yeah, there's some scripting issues and stuff, but mm-hmm. the performance itself, I, I felt like was the one that, I mean, cause again, he was in Les Mis. He's done a few other things where you kind of get to see a little bit of, Oh, this guy's really a theater guy. He's a song and dance guy. Mm-hmm. Um, but I felt like greatest showman is the one where they didn't try to massage that and be like, yeah, you can do some singing, but you know, we really need you to be an actor. This is the one where he gets to act and sing and dance and just throw it all out on front street. And I think he absolutely nails it. Um, shout out also in this film to Zendaya, who is mm-hmm. another potential pick later on. Not saying that I or you will pick her, but uh, another mm, potential No, pick. but I, I do love her. She was in uh, Euphoria on HBO, a, a, yes. a new series, and she's amazing in that. Yes, uh, turned out to be a really great young actress. But yeah, so the greatest showman's in blind spot for me. So I'm sorry I don't have any piggyback commentary for you, but I have. No, that's all right. I have wanted to see that for a while, and I feel like my son would probably enjoy that. Well, he's he's six, almost seven, mm-hmm. uh, so I'll probably check it out with him. But the greatest showman, so obviously Hugh Jackman from the Wolverine from the X Men right. franchise. So good pick there. All right, man. So my number five is now. This is the one on my list that you could argue at least that the comic book franchise that he was involved in did make him a household name and, and burst him into superstardom. He had some stuff prior to that, so that it would be an argument. It would be kind of a debate type thing, you know what I mean? Like, would his career have been as big without the comic book franchise that came along in 1989? I'm talking about Michael Keaton, and I'm naming Beetlejuice. I'm only, only going to say it once, though, but my number five is <laughs> Beetlejuice featuring Michael Keaton. I'm the ghost with the most, babe. You know, you look like somebody I can relate to. Maybe you could, maybe you could help me get out of here, you know, because I got to tell you, this, uh, this death thing, it, it's just too creepy. See, here's my problem. I got these friends on the outside that I said I'd meet, you know, and that's the kind of thing I have to be there in person, you know. So I was just wondering, could you help me get out of here? I want to get in. Why? Well, well, you know, hey, you probably got your reasons, uh, but the thing is, I can't do anything from over here. If you could get me out over there, then maybe we could talk or something. But, you know, in order to do that, you got to say my name three times. What's your name? Well, uh, I can't tell you. Why not? You know why? Because if I tell you, you tell your friends, your friends are calling me on the horn all the time. I got to show up in shopping centers for openings and sign autographs and shit like that. And that makes my life a hell, okay? A living hell. So, I mean, come on, man. I mean, mean, Tim Burton, uh, just Tim Burton's kind of eerie, dark sense of humor. This is just a great film all around, and I love this movie so much. And, you know, 
Michael Keaton in, in the Batman franchise, he's my Batman, you know? So when I look back, yeah. I mean, he's always going to be my Batman just because it's kind of when I was so impressionable and I just grew up with him in that, in that costume and in the cowl, you know what I mean? But in, I'll, I'll, I'll be honest. I'm surprised it's not a little bit higher on your list. I'm pretty sure we did a, a two piece masterpiece theater on Batman. And I kind of thought you might have <laughs> that one higher. I'm surprised you had it at five, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. I know. That's a good point, man. But I, I mean, you don't make me feel too bad because these are all inter- oh, no. interchangeable. I mean, literally, right. I could have, if we recorded this tomorrow night, it could be at a different spot. But right. it's not my favorite Burton movie, so I wonder if maybe that's why it's a little bit lower down for me. Um, I do love Batman and Batman Returns like more than I love Beetlejuice, but I feel like Michael Keaton shines and just kind of steps out of that. It's just so multidimensional in Beetlejuice. I mean, he's funny, he's dark, he's kind of demented, uh, he's kind of dramatic at times. But it's a very like outlandish character that he brings to life, and that you know he didn't. I mean, Batman was around way before Michael Keaton, but Beetlejuice, like he literally created this iconic figure, you know, now that lives on in pop culture because of what he did in that movie, and he made it his own. And I'm a big fan of Michael Keaton, but I would say this is his best work as an actor. And it's funny because he's only on screen for like 15 minutes or something like that. Right. And, and throughout the course of the movie, but it's similar to like um, Anthony Hopkins and Silence of the Lambs, where he's on screen so little in terms of the duration of the film, but his impact is so huge. And it's what you remember, it's what you take away from the performance from the movie. So, Beetlejuice for me is my number five. You're a fan of this one, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I may have said it before. I don't remember. It's been a while since we recorded that episode, but he feels to me like. The, you know, if you had a coin and you had a light side and a dark side, on the light side, you've got Tom Hanks. On the dark side of that coin, you've got uh, Michael Keaton. It right. feels like right. that. I, I love it, his performance here and in other stuff he's been in as well. Yeah, I feel like you did, you did mention that because it kind of a light bulb went off when you said that. But yeah, he's kind of, yeah. he's kind of like the dark Tom Hanks, you know? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But he is very versatile. And I feel like Beetlejuice really show, showcases that uh, possibly more than any of his other roles. Absolutely. All right, man. So we're over to you. What's your number four? Number four. All right. I know you're a horror fan, as I am. Mm, and yes. and it is, I feel like, as much as I love Stephen King's literary work, his uh, the adaptations have been hit or miss. Um, there are a couple of directors, though, that feel like, to me, they've got it figured out. They've got it down. They know how to adapt King's works. Mm-hmm. And this film is fairly recent film. Uh, it's, you know, from 2007. Um, it's a King adaptation that at the time felt like the most like, like, like they got it right. Um, and it's driven by some very intimate settings and some powerful performances, none more so than Thomas Jane in Frank Darabont's The Mist from 2007. Yeah, good one, man. Real good one. I did, I never would have even thought of this, but yes, I, I love this. This movie. Now, this movie's a downer, okay? Right. I mean, it, oh, yeah. it's a fucking depressing movie. <laughs> uh, but it is a great transfer from book to screen, I feel like. And uh, go ahead, talk a little bit about it. I, I don't want to steal your thunder, but I do love this movie, and I love the pick. Absolutely. No, I feel like you know Thomas Jane's one of those actors where – he can be fantastic or he can look like he's phoning it in. Um, and in this one, you know, again, it's very claustrophobic because it's set primarily in a grocery store um, with all manner of not just craziness going on in the world, you know, because it's a King novel that's adapted to as a film, but the individual characters that are trapped in this grocery store as all hell literally breaks loose outside. Uh, 
he he anchors it because he's he's got a kid and he you know he's trying to be the level-headed voice of reason as as all <laughs> chance for reason goes out the window and it's just you know it's it's again it's yes it's a downer but man what a powerful performance this is it feels like he's fully engaged in every scene that he's shooting here and for me it's one of my favorite uh performances in certainly in recent memory in terms of uh you know king adaptations and i've always you know as much as i like horror as much as you do but king adaptations to me always kind of because i'm such a big king fan i want to root for them Mm -hmm. Um, and so i think maybe this that's maybe that's why this performance i hold it maybe in more esteem than others might but i think it's a it's a fantastic performance in this film so the punisher is where you're pulling thomas from the punisher yes yes all right, so there you go. So I, I like to pick, man. I mean, you know, I'm a horror fanatic, so I, I I didn't see that one coming, though. I don't know why I didn't think think about that, but I do love that movie, and it's actually one that I'm holding off on revisiting until October. I do a whole like month right. of, month of horror viewing in October, and I want to see that one. It's been so many years since I've seen it, so I told myself, you know what? It's only a couple months. I'm going to wait. I'm going to watch it in October. So I'm looking forward to rewatching The Mist. But that's a good pick, man. All right, so at my number four, a bit of a curveball. So Again, you got to remember, I'm naming this because these are actors from comic book franchises that gave the best performance of their career in the movies that I'm naming. Okay, in my opinion, right. in my opinion. So my number four is showcasing Mr. Andrew Garfield, who we know from the Spider-Man or the most recent Spider-Man franchise prior to Tom Holland, and it's The Social Network. Oh, right on. It's my number four. So in The Social Network, Garfield plays. Eduardo Saverin, who was Mark Zuckerberg's kind of right-hand man and best friend in college, and basically helped him found what ended up becoming Facebook. Have you seen The Social Network, by the way? Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay, all right, okay. It's a David Fincher film, so I love the way it's directed. It's, it's very kind of like grim and grainy and dark uh, in, in the setting, I mean, and the cinematography. It's got an awesome score by Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross. But, yeah, Garfield as Eduardo Saverin is playing a character in real life. And, I mean, when I say in real life, like, it's almost present day. I mean, Eduardo Savin's like, maybe 40 years old now, if that. He's probably in his 30s. And he's portraying this guy, and, you know, it's Zuckerberg's best friend. Zuckerberg's obviously a billionaire running one of the most successful businesses of all time in Facebook. And this guy got shut out, um, you know, and he... Uh, basically lost his interest in that company that he helped build from the ground up. And that turns Zuckerberg into a villain, at least if you look at it through the eyes of, of the film here, uh, regardless of what you may or may not think. Maybe No, I think that's pretty accurate. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, you know, you could say savvy businessman, you could say whatever, but I mean, at the end of the day, he's an asshole who shut his friend out here, especially when he had the, the leeway with the money to kind of, you know, bring him in with him, and he didn't. But yeah, I mean, Garfield just does an amazing job, man. I mean, I, I haven't seen him put in a better acting performance. He got nominated for the Academy Award for Supporting Actor for this. And he plays that character so well. Uh, you know, the scene where he, at the towards the end of the movie, when he goes to the Facebook headquarters and finds out that he's been shut out and he, uh, you know, confronts Timberlake, who's there as Sean Parker and, and Zuckerberg. And he just, you know, gives him the, the diatribe and he says, you know, I'm not coming back for 30%. I'm coming back for everything, you know? Yeah. And he's like, I'm coming after your ass. I just get chills every time I see it. I've seen it probably 10 times. Um, but that's one of my favorite scenes in the last like 10 years in all of cinema. Uh, it's just so well acted in that movie and, and that one scene particularly. But Andrew Garfield here in Social Network would be my number four. What do you think, man? 
That's fantastic. I love it. I, I'm a dialogue nerd, so there are movies and anything particularly, you know, written by Aaron Sorkin. So I, yeah, I, I love that film and that's a fantastic performance. Probably the strongest performance in that film, I think. So yeah, I, mm-hmm. I think it's a great pick. Have you so far seen any of these coming or no? I mean, um, you know, you know me, you know, I knew, my I knew Keaton was, yeah, I knew Keaton was coming. Um, Right. I, I didn't think about Andrew Garfield, maybe because Amazing Spider-Man that those two films are so maligned. Uh, maybe I've gotta, maybe be careful. I've be careful. That out. <laughs> be careful. I love no, those. I didn't, I didn't say. Yeah, I didn't say I didn't like. It. I said because they're so maligned by others. Maybe that's you why know, I had to shut that out a little bit. Just real quick, I'll just say too because I did pick out like I told you earlier. I picked out superheroes that I love, like the acting right. performances for for different superheroes. And I think Garfield is probably the best Spider-Man in terms of like an acting prowess. Mm-hmm. My favorite is probably always going to be Tobey Maguire, just similar to Keaton, because that's the one that I kind of became attached to with. cinematically. Yeah. And But Garfield just is so good, man. I mean, he's just such a good actor, and he really devoted all of his acting talent to that role. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, well, absolutely. Uh, yeah. So that's why. So I picked him out. I'm like, you know, that's the best Spider-Man. Uh, and then I kind of said, what's his best movie? And I went with Social Network. So that's why. But that's my number four. All right, man. So we're over to you. What's your three, man? Number three. Uh, man, I, I didn't realize how recent a lot of these films were until I started looking at this. Uh, this film, I again, I talked about I'm kind of a dialogue nerd. And I, I like, you know, with The Greatest Showman, we talked about how it's not a documentary. It's historical fiction. It's a period piece. It's They go pretty liberal on the fiction and a little less on the historical. Um, but I do like the kind of historical films and period films. And actually, not tipping my hand, but the next, the my last, my top three picks, I guess, are kind of in that same vein. Um, and I'll kick it off with this one. It's based on a true story, based on a memoir. Um Mm-hmm. written by a CIA agent uh, talking about the plan to get uh, U.S. diplomats out of Iran. Um, and so I went with, at my number three pick, Argo from 2012, written and directed by Ben Affleck, mm-hmm. of, who we know from Batman vs. Superman and Justice League, speaking of maligned superhero films. Unfortunately, <laughs> yeah. we know it from that. Yeah, uh, you know, uh, I have that's some, my number three pick. That's a great performance. It's, I think. it's a great movie, man. Um, I, I love, and it's came up recently on an episode that actually I don't think has aired yet. So you may not have heard that conversation I had with another guest, but I love Affleck like as a director, like I, yeah. I, everything he directs, I'm really into it, but his acting is so hit or miss for me. And yeah, I was never a fan of Batfleck. I don't know. I just couldn't do the. I don't know. I mean, he did a good job. Like you could tell that he that it was so important to him. I mean, obviously, fans are going to be all over that shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. So you could tell that like the pressure was just so heavy, and I can imagine. I mean, Pattinson's about to go through it next year when he does it. But I mean, I don't know. I just didn't buy. I just it didn't work for me. It just didn't work for me. And I wonder if it was because he was the victim of the kind of sloppy storytelling and script and kind of you know the martha moment was cheesy as hell and just the whole <laughs> what do you mean Wait, spoilers uh, hold on <laughs> yeah i know i'm sorry but i don't know what about you i mean were you a batfleck fan or an apologist for him or where are you at I, on it i felt like the casting choices in those films were the least objectionable part of those films 
And I think that's probably the best thing I can say because I try not to, to just tear down stuff because I know there's a, there's, you know, every, everything, nobody makes a movie thinking, no, this is going to be terrible. And, and there's an audience for everything. Obviously we've seen the, the hype behind the whole release the Snyder cut thing. Mm-hmm. So clearly yeah. there's somebody out there who's, this is made for. It's, it's just not for me. I would prefer to watch something like, even like, you know, I was surprised by his performance in what, what was the name of the movie? The accountant where he mm-hmm. plays yeah. uh, the autistic or Asperger, you know, the, the hitman. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It's again with, with Affleck, like you said, it can be, he's, he's kind of similar to Thomas Jane, my previous pick, in that sometimes it looks like he's just phoning it in. He's there for the check. Mm-hmm. But the, the scripts and the films where he feels like he's invested, you can feel it in his performance. And because he was both directing and acting in this, it, he felt dialed in on this one. So again, one of my favorite films, one of my favorite performances of the last few years. Yeah, no, I get it. I, I, it's a great movie. You know, it's funny because a couple days ago I was trying to compile my list for this and my wife was helping me out and she was naming, she was starting naming stuff that was coming to her mind. And she did name uh, another movie. I assume you're not going to mention Ben Affleck again, so I'll just go ahead and say no, it. No, that's uh, correct. Is uh, Good Will Hunting, which is one of my favorite movies of all time. Yeah. And she, and she knows that. But based on the criteria that I set for myself, I would not have initially picked Ben Affleck to begin with because I'm only picking actors from comic book movies that I love them in the comic book movies. Yeah, no, you've got your Batman already. So, yeah, no, that makes sense the way you've set that up. But, yeah, Argo, great film and another one that I need to revisit, to be honest with you. But I remember I did love that film and I love that it's based on a true story. It also came up recently on an episode we did um, where it was our top five movies about movies. And, Ar- yeah. and Argo got named on that episode as well. So, great pick, man. Thank you. All right, brothers. So let me see. Let me pull my list up here. Well, my number three was Joey. So, my number three. Okay. So, <laughs> I don't know, man. I might get some heat on this one based on what I just said. So, I'm just going to tell you, okay? Unapologetically, Joey, and you might lay into me, which is completely fine. I loved Edward Norton in 2008's The Incredible Hulk. All right? Okay. Now, he, I think Edward Norton's a great actor. I've heard some not-so-kind things about him behind closed doors and behind the scenes as a person. Right. But as an actor, I think he does an amazing job. So there's a few films that are almost equal in terms of like his performance as an actor, Edward Norton. There's a couple I didn't mention, like American History X and like Rounders, which I love him in both of those yeah. movies. But the one I'm going to name is Fight Club, is my number three, for Mr. Edward Norton who is the narrator in David Fincher's The Fight Club, which is my second David Fincher film on tonight's countdown. He's one of my favorite filmmakers. What do you want me to do? You just want me to hit you. Come on. Do me just one favor. Why? Why? I don't know why. I don't know. Never been in a fight. You? No, but that, that's a good thing. No, it is not. How much can you know about yourself if you've never been in a fight? I don't want to die without any scars. So come on. Hit me before I lose my nerve. Oh, God. This is crazy. So go crazy. Let her rip. Hey, I don't know about this. I don't either, who gives a shit? No one's watching. What do you care? Wait, what? This is crazy. You want me to hit you? That's right. What? Like in the <laughs> face? <laughs> Surprise me. This is so fucking stupid. Uh, yeah, I'm seeing a pattern here. So I'm trying to not stop talking so that you don't berate me over the incredible <laughs> whole thing. But go ahead. So what do you think of that pick? I think that, again, uh, you know, they Marvel Studios decided to go a different direction. And I think I, you know, I have not seen a Hulk film that I 
didn't find something enjoyable about it. even the Ang Lee one. I felt like you know there's there's some fun stuff here when they're doing the shots and it looks like a comic book panel. You know the grid layout and stuff as mm-hmm. they're taking the Hulk underground. Which I mean, story wise, plot wise, you know, there, there's so much stuff not to like about that. But there's always something that you can kind of hang your hat on and be like, yeah, that that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. And you know, for what they were attempting to do, um, I. I I didn't have a problem with okay, it. Okay, cool. Honest, so, cool, yeah. cool. Yeah, I dug it. I mean, it got just brutally just bombed and attacked by, you know, Marvel fans oh, yeah. and comic book fans, but I loved it. I, I don't really know why, to be honest, because I know I'm in the minority. I, it just, I enjoyed it. You know what I mean? And I like Ruffalo as the Hulk, too. So I don't want that yeah. to be lost in translation here. I do, I do like him as well. But I don't know, man. I just think Edward Norton is such a classic actor. Similar to what I was saying, honestly, about Andrew Garfield with Spider-Man. Like, I feel like he gave the same amount of effort to a role like Bruce Banner that Garfield gave to Peter Parker. You know, very similar, where they really are well-schooled in acting and not just anybody could put in the performance that they put in. Do you know what I mean? And And I really respected that. Yeah, and with that Hulk film, they were trying to go more serious. It was trying to be more of a, you know, it was it was tapping back into those you know foundational sci-fi roots. It was man and monster, and they wanted to go with a more serious tone. It wasn't meant at the time to be a playful film. They had moments of humor and levity, um, but you know when when Liv Tyler comes in, you know Betty comes in and she's got the purple pants or whatever, you know. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. So they they. You know, they, they were not, it was not bereft of comedy, but it was, it was going for a more serious tone. And then as the Marvel Cinematic Universe came together, they decided, okay, well, we're leaning more so into other things. And yeah, like you said, there was some discussion of some backstage issues and whatnot, which, you know, happens. Um, but yeah, no, I think, I, yeah, I don't, I don't have a problem at all with Ed Norton's, uh, portrayal in the Hulk and I think you know Fight Club is kind of one of those Mm -hmm. iconic you know one of those iconic movies and iconic roles both he and Brad Pitt are going to be remembered for Fight Club from from now on so yeah I didn't want to forget to talk about Fight Club since it was my actual (laughs) pick but uh you know I just mentioned a couple others that Norton was in as well but he's one of my favorite actors just because I feel like he always just gives 110 percent to every role that he takes on I mean I'm trying to think. I don't think there's ever been a role where he's just been like, ah, fuck this. You know, I'm just going to do this for the paycheck. I always feel like he's really trying. And in Fight Club, I mean, just such a tortured character. You know, I don't think we're going in danger of giving away spoilers for something that's 20 years old, <laughs> but 21 years right. old now. But I mean, I've already mentioned my love for David Fincher, just that grainy kind of dark and dreary type of filmmaking, uh, that industrial score. The kind of mindfuck plot twist that comes at the end blew me away, and I did not see it coming. And then when I watch it on the second and third viewing, I'm like, how the hell did I not see that? Yeah. Um, so just it's such an ingenious way of filming that to really catch the audience off guard, or at least I, unless I'm alone there. Uh, but yeah, Fight Club, one of my favorite movies of the 90s, and it's my favorite Edward Norton performance. So that's why it's my number three. Right on. I like it. All right, brother. What do you got, man? What's your runner-up? So this is a film that has been discussed in different episodes on two P's uh, over the years. So, um, it, again, it's kind of, it's a, it's a mashup of a couple of things I've already discussed. Uh, I like films that have strong, you know, historical, it's a period piece kind of thing. Mm. I like films that have a good soundtrack that, you know, that, that tie the music and the storytelling together. Um, and so I went with 2000s 
Almost Famous, and the performance would be by Billy Crudup, who was in Watchmen as Dr. Manhattan. Oh, man. Okay. You went. And you can you debate went. me if you want no, to. No, I, don't, no, no, no. I can defend my pick. Go ahead. Oh, man. I was like, wait a second. What? Who the hell was in Almost Famous? And I'm like, yes. going through in my mind. But you're right. That's just uh, kind of a, that's kind of an around the alleyway through the backyard kind of pick there. But I like it because I love that movie. So go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. Why no, do you pick it? Great perform again. Another film with just full of great performances, but clearly uh, his performance uh, just is the standout performance. He he and Kate Hudson um, own that movie, and it's just you know there's not a bad he he doesn't have a bad scene in that film. Whether it's you know whether they're talking about the t-shirt screw up or you know the the I'm a golden god, and then the whole the hangover afterwards when they're on the bus and you know mm-hmm. singing Tiny Dancer, and I mean you know as a guy who's you know he's he's better than the people around him, but he has a sense of loyalty, but he doesn't have a sense of loyalty because he's cheating on his, you know, so it's just, it's, it's a, it's a conflicted character. It's a fun character. You're rooting for the guy. And then he's just an ass. Um, it's, it's a great, it's a great performance, a great film, a great soundtrack. Um, so I, I couldn't not put this on there. And yes, I kind of looped around and yes, it's a, it's a comic (laughs) book movie and he plays a, hero sure. as much as anybody in that film does but <laughs> yeah no go ahead yeah sure i am a golden god yeah! 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 i am a golden god hey russell don't jump and you can tell rolling stone magazine that my last words were i'm on drugs yeah! We should work on those last words. Okay. Oh, I got it. 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 This is better. Last words. I dig music. I'm on drugs! Look, just come on down and we'll go back to the hotel. Okay. I'm just saying it's definitely not when I was sitting down because, you know, like I said, I went through a bunch of superhero franchises mm-hmm. and comic book movies. And I'm like, all right, uh, you know, I love this movie. Who's my favorite hero in it? And I'd pick them out and then I'd find their best movie that wasn't a comic book. So I never I don't know. It just wasn't on my radar. I mean, the Watchmen in general, I mean, wasn't on my radar for this. But you're right. I mean, he's definitely heroic in The Watchmen. He's a hero. So, well, sort of. As, again, as much as anybody can be in that film. But yeah. Well, why not? You know, so almost, yeah. you know, I love Almost Famous. So I just did a retrospective on our Patreon for it. So it's in yeah. my, it's actually in my top 25 movies of all time, that movie. So, you know, I love it, man. So I'm not going to argue too much with the pick there. So that's your runner up, Almost Famous. Cameron Crowe, yes. by the way, a filmmaker that yes. I, a filmmaker that I love. He has a, he has, Cameron Crowe is so good, man, at like music within like music movies, right? Yes. Like he just does so well with incorporating music into his movies and making them like another character in the film. You know, singles, Jerry Maguire, obviously almost famous. 
Vanilla Sky. Like if you watch those movies back, like not so much even the score, which is also great, but just the way he incorporates popular music into those movies is just awesome. I think it feels almost John Hughes ish as though, you know, we had John Hughes in the eighties and then we had Cameron Crowe in the nineties and early two thousands. It feels like it's a continuation of that, that lineage. Mm-hmm. All right, man. Well, my runner up is a very subdued, quiet drama. Um, some people would consider it possibly a romantic drama. And it's one of my favorite filmmakers, and it always has been. It's a female filmmaker, Sofia Coppola. And it's also mm-hmm. a female, my first female hero that I'm naming on my list here. And she plays Black Widow famously in the Avengers franchise. But of course, I'm talking about Scarlett Johansson in 2003's Lost in Translation. Yes. Is my runner up. So, what are you doing here? A uh, couple of things. Taking a break from my wife, forgetting my son's birthday, and uh, getting paid $2 million to endorse a whiskey when I could be doing a play somewhere. Oh. But the good news is the whiskey works. (laughs) What are you doing? Um... My husband's a photographer, so he's here working, and uh, wasn't doing anything, so I came along, and we have some friends that live here. How long have you been married? Mm, thank you. Mm. Two years? Twenty-five long ones. Mm. You're probably just uh, having a midlife crisis. Did you buy a Porsche yet? You know, I was thinking about buying a Porsche. Well, let me just go ahead and tell you, this is when I fell in love with with Scarlett Johansson in 2003. So I've always been a big fan of Coppola. I was a big fan of the Virgin Suicides and some other stuff that she had done at the time. And so I was really excited to see this movie when it came out. It was playing at the Manor Theater in Charlotte, North Carolina, which is like an indie theater that has two screens that only plays indie films. Just like a piece of, just like a hole in the wall piece of shit place, right? Yeah. Unfortunately, because of COVID, it actually is closed permanently now, but it was around for oh. like 60 years. I mean, it was one of those old movie houses, and they were the only place showing it because it was an indie film. So, me and my sister went to see it in 03 when it came out, and I absolutely just, I didn't know who Scarlett Johansson was. Like, I, I kind of knew the name, I guess, but like, I never had seen her in anything, or I didn't remember seeing her in, any, in anything. And when I saw this movie, I literally, like, I'm saying this, like, as literal as I possibly can, fell in love with her. Right. <laughs> like, you know, I mean, yes, she's beautiful. I mean, she still is, especially in the leather and as Black Widow, of course. But I mean more so just, like, her performance and, like, her kind of quiet charm that she had in this movie. Um, and Bill Murray, too. And he has it as well from, like, a middle-aged male. And then she has it as this kind of this young you know, young hottie, basically. And they both have this just quiet charm about them, and they're both kind of lost, as the title would, would allude to. And they happen to be overseas at the same time on these on this trip, and they're just sharing these nights together as friends, kind of like they're on this island, and they're the only two people on the island. And it's a very endearing picture, and I feel like there was a reason why Murray and Johansson got nominated for this, and so did Sofia Coppola. The cinematography is beautiful. We were just talking about music and film. Uh, she weaves in and out of this film some great music, The Pretenders. Uh, this really uh, awesome female rapper named Peaches is in this film. Uh, her music is, I mean. So, yeah, I love Lost in Translation, man. It remains one of my favorite like drama films. And I'm actually excited because I thought of Scarlett Johansson almost right away because I do love her as Black Widow. Right. And and I was like, well, yeah. I mean, I could have named 
a bunch under the skin. Like, I could have named a bunch of Scarlett Johansson movies that I love her in. But I was excited because I've had very few opportunities to discuss loss in translation on this show. Like it hasn't really fit into a lot of topics that have come up for top fives. So I was kind of pumped because I'm like, okay, well, I can talk about loss in translation for a couple minutes now. So oh, do you like this film? You've seen it. Do you like it? Where are you at on it? Yeah, it's I think the the word I would use is charm. There's so much charm in this film. Uh, it's just you know, not even the leads are charming. Yes. The way that she sets the, the setting. I mean, everything about the film is just absolutely charming. It's charming as hell. It's hard not to watch it and smile and just dig it when you're in the moment with it. So yeah, I, I think it's a great pick. And one of my favorite movie endings too, is the ambiguous <laughs> whisper at the end where you don't right. know what he says to her, but you still feel kind of hopeful that it was, that it was something good, you know, and something promising but it's just a beautiful friendship that flourishes because you know he's a middle-aged dude right who has a family back home but you can tell he's just kind of grown weary of it and then she's this girl with these like kind of bright dreams in her eyes and goals and like you you almost gets a sense like she just doesn't really want to do it yet do you know what i mean she doesn't want to end up kind of how he is and they're kind of helping each other in a roundabout way but i think it's a very beautiful film uh you know both like abstractly but also like visually like it's a very beautiful film visually sophia coppola i I mean jesus dude anything she does i'm just mesmerized from a visual standpoint like i'm just looking at it uh for the craft and for the type of filmmaking that it is i love her so i'm a little biased in that respect but (laughs) that's my number two man lost in translation is my runner-up that's great. And you talked about the ambiguous ending, but you know, the whole film breaks what you expect. You expect it's going to be a middle-aged man and a younger, attractive woman. And you think you know where this movie's heading and it totally doesn't. It's a great pick. I love it. Love the movie. Love the pick. Thanks, man. And I do love her as Black Widow too. I don't want to fail to, oh, yeah. to yeah. mention that, but I think she's just a badass dude. And, uh, you know, I hope they do her right in her standalone film that was supposed to have already been released. But of course with COVID it's, it's been pushed back, but yeah, I mean, I hope so, and I love Florence Pugh who's in that as well. And I've heard they're oh, kind yeah. of, they're kind of passing off the reins to her in that franchise. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you can't, for me, ScarJo. I don't know if you heard our Hollywood Hotties episode, but she was my number one. I did. I mean, you know, yeah, you, there's no way. I mean, there's no way she was not going to be on here. Um, right. So it's it fell at my number two, Lost in Translation. So we're up to our number ones. Joey, I'm excited. What do you got, man? So, again, if you've been paying attention, you notice a pattern. Um, historical fiction, fantastic soundtrack, um, and a strong performance by the lead is kind of where I'm going with all of this. And so I went with my number one pick, another film from 2000. That was like a great year for that subgenre, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but from the year 2000, I went with Joel and Ethan Cohen's Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Starring none other than Batman and Robin's Batman himself, George Clooney. Nice. That is my number one pick. Well, all right. We take off through that bayou. Then... Wait a minute. Who elected you leader of this outfit? Well, Pete, I figured it should be the one with the capacity for abstract thought. But if that ain't the consensus view, then hell, let's put her to a vote. Suits me. I'm voting for yours truly. Well, I'm voting for yours truly, too. Okay. I'm with you, fella. Nice. Great film. This is my ex-partner on the show, Andy's. One of his favorite films of all time. He absolutely loves this film. Uh, It's a good one. I've only seen it once, and I saw it early on when it was first released. But it's a hoot. So it's based on Of Mice and Men, right? Or... 
It is uh, based on uh, Homer's The Iliad and okay. The Odyssey. It's the whole. It's it's trying to get back home to a wife, um, and going through. You know, it, he he's Odysseus, and he's going through the trials, the Greek mythological. You know, only it's set in Depression era. You know, the South. So it's 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 just. It's fantastic. And again, soundtrack, absolutely. For an original soundtrack, you know, it's all, you know, there's no popular song that was taken for this. It was all, you know, original songs. It's, I'm not a huge country music fan. I grew up listening to it because of my dad and my grandparents and stuff. You know, we watched Hee Haw every week or whatever, but this captures that, you know, and they refer to it this way that, you know, that old timey feeling it's, it's got that, it's like a blanket you can throw on and listen to this. And so between the soundtrack and I mean, it's a Coen brothers film. Mm-hmm. Um, all the performances are fantastic. Um, again, a shout out to Tim Blake Nelson, who was in the Hulk movie. Uh, mm-hmm. briefly mm-hmm. Um, and, and again we can, we can talk about him tomorrow for that or when we talk villains but um, not saying we will but it's a possibility uh, but George Clooney I feel like this is the movie where he gets to just have fun he gets to yeah, he's he's always had those comedic chops but this is one where he just gets to go absurd and he, but he does it in a totally not self-aware way where he doesn't realize how absurd he is right. and it's just it's just fantastic to watch well, it's a good one, man, and uh, I, I I love me some Clooney. I think I did. I tell you, or did you hear? Did you know I met him in person? Yeah, at the bar. Yeah, 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 yeah. I've heard so, that story. So I've gone through that with you already. But yeah, he's a great dude, man. He's he's just as cool in real life as you would think he is based on some of these movies that he's in. But yeah, uh, great pick, man. So, oh brother, where art thou? Is your yes. number one? Is my number one? So my number one is. So you mentioned horror. You know, I'm a horror fan. Uh, this would be a horror comedy, I would say. Um, it's also a little bit of a thriller, a little bit of a drama. Uh, but it's really funny. It's satirical. And it features the other Batman on my list, Mr. Christian Ooh. Bale. And you also mentioned the year 2000, which is when this came out. But it's American Psycho. Yes. Is that my number one? Um I think, and the reason, you know, if people are wondering about my rankings and like kind of how it makes sense... I feel like of the five I just listed, Christian Bale's performance in this movie as Patrick Bateman is beyond anything that we've ever seen him do. He's so just like detached <laughs> from reality, which is really what his character is in the movie. Right. And it makes sense when it all kind of comes together at the end that he was kind of like that, almost cartoonish in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, almost like he was performing in front of the mirror at all times. I see what I did there. Yeah. <laughs> um, I gotcha. But kind of like that, you know, I mean, it's kind of like it wasn't real. Do you know what I mean? Like he's kind of like, you know how, and I don't know if this was his intention because I haven't seen interviews or anything like that, but I'm just talking about my perception of his role and his performance. But you know how in the old days, like in the old movies in the like 40s and 50s, how they would act up to a certain level where it was almost like they were overacting and like kind of giving too much kind of into it. You know what I mean? It's it's that mentality of your your natural. Yeah, you're performing for the people in the back of the theater. It's that old theater trick. Of, yeah. You know, yeah. So I find it feel like he was carrying himself like that for a lot of this movie. And it's just amazing. I mean, his performance is amazing, man. I mean, the scene where he's dancing to Huey Lewis and he murders Jared Leto <laughs> in his apartment. And he's just like talking about Huey Lewis's, you know, different songs throughout <laughs> the years and why there's, you know, why there's such a great band and what the lyrics mean. And he's so peppy and he's like, Again, he's like, I think, purposely overacting in that scene, you know? And yeah, 
And then he's just like, hey, Paul. And <laughs> Paul turns around and he starts you know, chopping it with an axe, you know, uh, while Hip to Be Square is playing in the background. So You like Huey Lewis in the news? They're okay. Their early work was a little too new wave for my taste. But when sports came out in 83, I think they really came into their own, commercially and artistically. The whole album has a clear, crisp sound and a new sheen of consummate professionalism that really gives the songs a big boost. He's been compared to Elvis Costello, but I think Huey has a far more bitter, cynical sense of humor. Hey, Alan. Yes, Alan? Why are there copies of the style section on the play? Do you, do you have a dog? A little chow or something? <laughs> no, Alan. Is that a raincoat? Yes, it is. In 87, Huey released this for their most accomplished album. I think their undisputed masterpiece is Hip to Be Square, a song so catchy. Most people probably don't listen to the lyrics, but they should, because it's not just about the pleasures of conformity and the importance of friends. It's also a personal statement about the band itself. Hey, Paul! You know, this is another female director, Mary Heron, and I feel like through the female gaze, it was really interesting to see the kind of masculinity and how she portrayed it on screen. I thought that was great to see that kind of juxtaposition of the way she sees these Wall Street dudes who must have been, you know, kind of cocaine snorting, just, you know, pricks, you know. Um, But just, I mean, there's a lot of funny scenes in this. It's a very satirical piece. It does have a lot of horror elements built into it from like a serial killer aspect. But yeah, I I love this movie, man. It's remained one of my favorites over the years. And I feel like Christian Bale, you know, he didn't win any of his awards for this movie. And he was still kind of making a name for himself at the time. But if you go back and look at his body of work, the only one that I would say would maybe rival this, and this is in my opinion, would be The Machinist. Right. Uh, But for me, American Psycho slightly nudges it out in his filmography for me. How do you feel about this one, man? Yeah, it's I was, I didn't know if you were going to, do a Batman performer twice yeah. on your list. Just kind of wondering, just as I was putting mine together, trying to think through what you might be thinking, which is, I mean, I, I clearly I didn't, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, 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 I'm not, I'm not surprised to hear you make this pick. Um, so yeah, and it, it is a great performance. It's a great, um, just like you said, over the top, um, not, horror but certainly horrific um it's just yeah it's it's a great film it's a i've noticed a lot of yours have a dark comedic thread a a perception of reality um adaptations uh so yeah it's it feels right at home on your list and yeah if i had you know like i said depending on how i was thinking you might think i totally see this on your list i'm a dark dude man are you trying to say i should call my therapist in the morning is that what you're saying (laughs) no no i think i think entertainment helps us work those things out without actually taking an axe to somebody oh man yeah yeah but you're right i'm sitting here going wow he's right fight club america's psycho (laughs) wow i need to make a couple calls in the morning joey (laughs) all right man so uh real quick before we head over and give our honorable mentions and check out social media why don't you wrap up your top five real quick so my top five began at number five with Hugh Jackman in The Greatest Showman. At number four, I had Thomas Jane in The Mist. Number three, Ben Affleck in Argo. Number two, Billy Crudup in Almost Famous. And at number one, George Clooney in Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? 
Good list, man. And my number five was for Michael Keaton at number five, Beetlejuice. For Andrew Garfield at number four with The Social Network. Edward Norton in Fight Club at number three. Scarlett Johansson and Lost in Translation at my number two. And then Christian Bale in American Psycho was my number one superhero actor in another film. All right, so Joey, you know I like to head over to social media and shout out the fans at the end of the show. But before we do that, I've got five honorable mentions as usual. Did you bring some other ones that you want to mention as well? I do. I brought mine as well. So Yeah, go for it, man. So at... At a not honorable mention spot, but I want to uh, say it because I, I I debated whether or not I could throw this in because the performance that I'm going to mention um, is just one of many good ones, but it's also based on a graphic novel. So I felt like, eh, that's kind of cheating a little bit in a way. So I will honorably mention, but not include in my honorable mentions, uh, Chris Evans in Snowpiercer mm-hmm. because, again, it's based on a graphic novel. And, and I could have easily gone with Knives Out or something else, but I felt like... <laughs> You know, no, I, I like Snowpiercer. I, that's you know, that's strong. So, not honorable mention is Chris Evans as Snowpiercer. <laughs> at, at number six, I had Val Kilmer, and it was a toss-up between Tombstone or Real Genius. I love him in both of those films. That's interesting. I'll tell you why here in a second. Okay, okay. go ahead. At, at number seven, I'll go with Samuel L. Jackson in Pulp Fiction. Although, I mean. He's got clearly more screen time and more character, but I also love him in Do the Right Thing. So it's another mm-hmm. one where it's a toss-up. You know, a lot of these are toss-ups. Yeah. Um, at number eight, I went with Chris Hemsworth in Cabin in the Woods. Uh, oh, yeah, good pick, good pick. Comedic horror. At number nine, Robert Downey Jr. in Less Than Zero, uh, which also included James Spader, uh, good one. voice of Ultron. And at number 10, <laughs> it's a special recognition. This is kind of like the all-encapsulating everything else. Um, at number 10, Scott Pilgrim versus the World, which includes Chris Evans, Brandon Routh, Brie Larson, Thomas Jane, uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead, and wow. Michael Sarah, who was the voice of Robin in the Lego Batman movie. So that's kind of the, if you needed to just pick one movie to get the most actors in mm-hmm. that were superheroes, just go watch Scott Pilgrim versus the world. Yeah, you're right, man. I didn't even think about that. I thought about that movie briefly, um, but yeah, there's a lot in that movie. So the reason I said it was interesting, so we'll get there in just a second, but my number six yeah. would have been a time to kill for Samuel L. Jackson. Mm-hmm. I've mentioned that movie on the show before too, based on a yep. John Grisham novel, Joel Schumacher, rest in peace. But I love it's a courtroom drama dealing with a lot of racial tensions, which is very timely right now. Yep. Uh, no pun intended. My number seven would have been another uh, female filmmaker that I love that I've mentioned on the show many times before, Catherine Bigelow, her film called The Hurt Locker, yes. which which features Jeremy Renner. Jeremy Renner, so that would, right. That would, would be Hawkeye. And Christopher Nolan, you know, he's done the Batman flicks, right? Well, he also did the Prestige, and it starred not only Christian Bale, but also Hugh Jackman. So you could have gone either way there. So the Prestige would have fallen at my number eight. I was going to name it for Hugh Jackman because I already had a Christian Bale role in my top five if it had ended up making my top five. Right. Now, here's the interesting one. So my number nine is Val Kilmer, but but it's for the doors. Oh, yeah, I can see that, too. So his portrayal of Jim Morrison was just uncanny. I mean... Nailed it, yeah, bro. Nailed he, it. He was Jim Morrison, yeah. He really was. And then probably the most recent film out of all the 10 that I've talked about tonight would be Miss Brie Larson as Joy in the movie called Room, mm-hmm. which came out about five years ago. A very touching and really devastating look into um, a mother-son relationship there. So Brie Larson actually won the Academy Award for that role as well. Right. In Room. Have you seen Room? Yes. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> devastating. All right, man. So that's our... Uh, collective 10 there for superhero actors in other films 
So I asked over on Twitter, Joey, I said, what are some of your favorite non-superhero roles from famous superhero actors? Okay. And here's some of the shout outs we got. Uh, Obviously, quite a few that we did not mention. So some of them, and I didn't specify villains, which of course we're going to be doing on your show. That's right. Uh, But Melissa from Brooke Reedy says Jack Nicholson in The Shining. Mm, That might make some lists tomorrow. Mm, We'll have to see what happens. uh, I was going to say, she may be a little foreshadowing there. I don't know. Uh, Word Salad Radio has got Christopher Reeve in a movie called Noises Off. I don't know that one. I know Christopher Reeve. I don't know Noises Off. Tom Holland in The Impossible. Miles Teller in Whiplash. Hugh Jackman in The Prestige. And Bruce Willis in Die Hard. Bruce Willis, I'm assuming he means from Red, which was based on the comic book where the senior citizen heroes were. At least I assume. Or maybe Unbreakable. I guess Unbreakable could kind of work. mm, Yeah. Yeah, right? uh, you know, I'll allow it. Yeah, I was going to say, it's, it's not, not a comic <laughs> book, but it's superhero. You know? Right, we'll take it. Uh, let's see, Clubber Lang's Pity on Twitter says, Michael B. Jordan in Fruitville Station. Right, ooh, that's a good one. Yeah, that's a good one. Chadwick Boseman in Get On Up. Jamie Foxx in Ray. Chris Hemsworth in Rush. Wesley Snipes in New Jack City. Well, that's a good one from Blade. Lawrence Fishburne, Boys in the Hood. Don Cheadle in Talk to Me. Terrence Howard in Hustle and Flow. And Christian Bale in American Psycho. There you go. All right. Michelle D over on Twitter, a patron of the show, says Paul Rudd and Clueless. You know, we didn't mention any Paul Rudd tonight, which I'm surprised. <laughs> I love Paul Rudd. Yeah. Yeah. I've, yeah. I thought about it, but yeah. I don't know. I guess I'm not like a huge Ant Man fan. So he didn't <laughs> he didn't pass that first level for me. You know, because that yeah. first level had to be I love you in the superhero movie. Um I don't know. I've just never really I don't know. I mean, he's funny, like he brings a great comic relief to the Avengers franchise, but I've I don't know, I'm not a huge Ant Man dude, so but I do love Paul Rudd. She also says Michael Keaton in Beetlejuice and a guilty pleasure would be Zoe Zaldana in Center Stage. Ooh, boy, that is, yeah, that's getting that, yeah, yeah, that's digging deep. It is digging deep. And speaking of digging deep, Joey, mm. Brad from the Cinema Guys named Billy Crudup from Almost Famous. <laughs> oh, hey, all right. I knew I liked that show for a reason. Yeah, good job. There you go. Uh, comic gents over on Twitter say Chris Hemsworth in Extraction. Did you see the new okay. movie Extraction? <laughs> uh, no, I haven't forced myself to sit through it yet. It's okay. I mean, I wasn't yeah. like blown away, but it was all right. I mean, it was good for what it was, you know? Yeah. Four nerds by nerds on Twitter says Samuel L. Jackson in A Time to Kill. So they match up with me there. There you go. Brie, Brie Larson in Short Term 12 and Anthony Mackie in 8 Mile. That's a good one. Ooh, yeah, that's a good pick. I hadn't thought and about that. So Horrified on Twitter has got Chris Pratt as Andy Dwyer in Parks and Rec. So they went TV there. But yeah, we'll, we'll allow it. <laughs> but I do love Parks and Rec. And they were onto right. something there. He's amazing in, the, in the, on that show. How about, uh, so Will Err podcast on Twitter says Ryan Reynolds and Van Wilder. What do you think about that? Really? <laughs> I yeah, I mean, he. you know what? That is a perfect Ryan Reynolds role, though. Yeah, but every role is a Ryan Reynolds role because <laughs> Ryan Reynolds doesn't necessarily act as much as just show up and be Ryan Reynolds on yeah, the set. Yeah, so. shows up and be all cute, you know? Yeah. Uh, here's one that I'm surprised we didn't mention. So Doug from Good Times, Great Movies says Robert Downey Jr. and Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Ooh, oh, yeah, that's a good one, too. Which also could have been Val Kilmer. Yeah. So... <laughs> Are you, are you sure about that? <laughs> yeah, I'm laughing at uh I just came across one that made me giggle. So uh Brian from Take Two 
said he's going to pick for this topic. Remember what the topic is. He's right. going to he's going to pick Ben Affleck, but it's going to be big Ben Affleck as Batman. And then in parentheses, he says, since Batman isn't a real superhero. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, we've got three Batman in our ten <laughs> wow. collected. So yeah, four <laughs> wow. if you go with Val Kilmer. So yeah. So yeah, I don't know, man. Uh, but I love Brian. I love Take Two. So whatever. He, he it's his list. You know what I mean? So that's fine. Yeah, yeah. All right. So to wrap up the show, we're going to head over to the Facebook fan page, guys. Join up if you have not already. You'll find it in the show notes. And as Joey will tell you, that is where I interact with our fans the most. So Travis, a former guest on the show, really liked this topic. He has a ton here. Let me just pick out a few that we haven't mentioned yet, Joey. Yeah. He says Mark Ruffalo from Zodiac. That's okay. a good one. That's another David yeah. Fincher film. He's Could got... Have gone with uh, Jake Gyllenhaal as well, right? Yeah, yeah. And he's got uh, Benedict Cumberbatch from Sherlock Holmes. TV, but yeah. Yeah, that's a TV one, right? Yeah. He's, his Scar Joe pick is Ghost World, which is another good one. Yeah. And he's got Paul Bettany in Wimbledon. See, that's a ScarJo one that I no, that's with Chris Kirsten Dunst. What's the ScarJo? Uh, what's the the Woody Allen tennis film that she's in? Match Point. Thank you. Yeah, um, which would also be a good pick for her. Yeah, and then let's see here. So Phil Rude has got uh, Chris Evans and Snowpiercer. There you go. Hey. And then he says Christian Bale in pretty much everything he's in. <laughs> uh, yeah, there I you mean, go. Yeah, he is definitely a method actor for sure. Uh, Brandon Cruz has got Paul Rudd in uh, what? Uh, Wet Hot American Summer, right? <laughs> you know what? I am surprised we didn't mention Paul Rudd tonight, though. I mean, he is a beloved actor, so I'm kind of surprised. Like I said, I didn't pick him because I'm not a huge Ant Man person, but I did think you were going to bring up Paul Rudd because he's, I mean, right? I mean, he's pretty well loved. I feel like if I had to pick Paul Rudd, if somebody had said you got to put Paul Rudd on your list. You know, I would have gone with, and this is a goofy pick, but I would have gone with the movie Role Models that he was in with oh, Sean yeah, William Scott good. and that Elizabeth Banks. That yeah. movie had no right to be good, and it was great. It was, yeah. I mean, it's not going to win an award, but it was entertaining. It was fun. It had a good message. It was it was a good movie. That was good. I would probably go Clueless just because that one's so close to my heart. But, right. uh, but I, like I said, Paul Rudd didn't make my initial criteria, so I wasn't able to put him on my list, but... But when uh, they show up to the LARP in the KISS makeup, I mean, come on. That's, yeah. that's fantastic. Yeah. Everybody else is like dwarves and, you know, knights and Ken Jongs over there being <laughs> Ken Jong, and they show up as KISS. I mean, come on. That's it's too awesome. good. It's too good, yeah. Sam Hurley's got Brie Larson in Room, Michael Fassbender in Shame, Hugh Jackman from Prisoners, Halle Berry from Monsters Ball, and Ian McKellen in Lord of the Rings. He also says he thinks Ben Affleck was the bomb in Phantoms. <laughs> Yeah. Wow. Uh, yeah. Jared Jared Taylor <laughs> echoes my pick of American Psycho for Christian Bale. So uh, Tony Vandenbush, who who gives feedback every week, so I want to shout her out real quick. <laughs> she wants to know if if voices count, and if yes. if so, she's going to say Tom Holland from Onward. Did you see Onward this year, the new Disney Pixar? Yeah, yeah. That's uh, you could have gone with Chris Pratt as well, but yeah, that's a. That's, I mean, yeah, I'll allow it. I'll take anything at this point. I'm open to anything. We're having fun. Yeah, let's see if there's any that haven't been mentioned here so far. Uh, Michael Hill, a, a frequent contributor, says Paul Bettany from A Knight's Tale. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Rob, go ahead. No, uh, that's a good pick, yeah. Robert Downey Jr. in Tropic Thunder. That's a good one for him. <laughs> Michael Keaton in Beetlejuice. Ryan Reynolds in Van Wilder or Detective Pikachu. And Patrick Stewart as John Luke Picard. Uh, he also says Clooney in Ocean's Eleven, Kilmer in Top Gun, Ben Affleck in Mallrats, and Will Smith in Hitch. So he's got quite a few that we have not mentioned yet there. They're all really good picks. 
Uh, let's see. David Powell says Ryan Reynolds in The Voices or Buried. Mm-hmm. And uh, just a couple more to get through here. So new patron to the show and uh, first feedback, I believe, for Dan Roski. But he says RDJ and Chaplin. That was his Oscar. Ooh. Did he win for that or was he just nominated for Chaplin? I, I know he was nominated. I don't. Did he win? I don't know. I want to say he did. But I know he was nominated at a minimum. I know yeah. he was nominated. And then he also says Don Cheadle from Traffic and Hotel Rwanda. Both very yeah. good films. Yeah. And then I'll wrap up with Amanda Inman. She's a friend of the show. has been on many, many times, too. She says Christian Bale from Newsies, Mark Ruffalo from Spotlight, Crimps. Well, this one's surprising, but she says Hemsworth and Ghostbusters. <laughs> so of all his movies, I'm surprised you did that one. But uh, right. Paul Paul Rudd and Clueless. There you go. Yeah. And then and then ScarJo in Jojo Rabbit, which got her a nomination last year for supporting actress. Yes. So thank you so much to everyone for the feedback this week. This was a very interesting topic. So I was glad to see so many people kind of jumped in with their feedback. You know, I was afraid when I asked it. If people were going to kind of be like, what? <laughs> and like forget to come back to it. But we got a lot of feedback. So thank you guys so much. Now, Joey, I know I'm going to be on your show if they're listening in real time, literally tomorrow. tomorrow. Uh, but I'll be on your feed basically the same time this one is on my feed. But just go ahead. Tell people where they need to go to find that villains episode and then whatever else you want to point them at, man. Ooh, yeah. Check it out. It's at the Pop Goes the Culture podcast. So in your podcast player, type in Pop Goes the Culture. The logo is a big pink word pop, so you can't miss it. Um, but all of our past episodes, the whole archive, plus everybody that we have in the Pop Goes the Culture podcast network, plus all kinds of fun stuff, crafts and cosplay and news and today in pop culture history, all kinds of stuff. All of that can be found at popgoestheculture.com. Yeah, man. And Joey, I know I'm going to be talking to you again here shortly because we're going to wrap this up with the villains. Yes. But I just want to say thanks for coming back, man. It means a lot to me, and it was great to have you on the show, brother. Anytime. You know where to find me, man. All right, man. So until next week, guys, we will be, we will be back with another top five and another P on the pod. Joey, takes care, man. I'll talk to you soon. Yep. See you then. Thank you for listening. Two Peas is an independent podcast. We rely on donations from our executive producers in order to release new content weekly. Please check the show notes for a current list of all of our executive producers. If you would like to join them to help us continue to release great content, please visit Two Peas on a Pod at patreon.com or check out the show notes for this episode. Again, we sincerely thank you for listening.